0: You're listening to The Korea File. I'm Andre Goulet. The File is a monthly podcast exploring Korean society, culture, and politics, and highlighting critical, independent voices you won't find anywhere else. If you like the show, support it at patreon.com slash file You'll find an archive of 95 interviews with academics, activists, musicians, and always available for download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. And on this episode. It's 1983, during South Korea's Fifth Republic, a military regime that's entrenched its power through censorship, torture, and the murder of protesters. And it's in this charged political climate that a university freshman, Kim Hyun-suk, seeking refuge in the comfort of books, soon finds herself as the youngest member of an underground book club. That's the description from the back of the acclaimed graphic novel slash manga slash memoir band book club from Chicago publisher Iron Circus Comics. I'm thrilled to have the book's co-author here to discuss it with me, the prolific writer, artist, radio host, uh, adventurer Ryan Estrada. He joins us today from Busan. Hey, Ryan, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for this book. It's It's so good. As soon as you open your eyes, they find a way to close them again says so one of the characters early in the story as she and a friend run from police tear gas at a campus screening of a kind of contraband foreign newsreel investigating the Gwangju uprising. Ryan, this is such a great story with a lot of contemporary parallels. I, I really can't recommend it highly enough. So when did Suk decide that she wanted to share her story with the world?
1: Well, I'm still trying to convince Suk. <laughs> the book has come out, but uh, yeah, when when it first came out, like this was a story that I had been married to Hyun Sook for many, many years. I'd known her for decades. I had no idea that any of this had happened. And because it, this type of story is so common in Korea. Uh, everyone of a certain age has a story like this, of living through this, this time that to her, that was just, that's just what it did in college. It's not a story to tell. Uh, and so one day we were, uh, taking a hike, uh, like we did every morning. And she just happened to casually mention, yeah, that time I was interrogated by the KCIA. And I'm like, wait, with the time you were what? And she's like, Oh, I didn't tell you about that. Okay. Hmm. never mind. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. I want more details. And she told me like a little bit. And I just tweeted, like, I no knew nothing at that point, basically just the barest details. And I tweeted about it. And, uh, iron circus, uh, met, met, you know, sub tweeted us like a week later and said they wanted to write a book about it. And I'm like, wait, are you talking about my wife? Like, we could make that happen. And I still wasn't sure it could be a book. Cause like I said, I knew not, I knew the barest details. And uh, so we started, uh, started talking to her more and doing interviews and every single person we interviewed, we interviewed all of these, all the members of her band book club. We interviewed all of the uh, teachers and like um, various people that she interacted with her parents. And every single person was like, I'll tell you whatever you want, but I don't know why anyone's going to want to read it. <laughs> and, uh, and, they like they're all blown away like oh people in america actually are reading this it's it's popular and it's just it's just such a story that because you know it's it's something everyone went through but it's something that nobody talked about because especially at that time if you talked about all of these problems you know you saw in the book what will happen you could be uh, taken off the street you could be tortured you could be thrown in jail you could be forced into uh into the military um and, and then after it all happened, it's just like, everybody's just like, we're done. We're going to talk about it. So it's this part of history that no one ever talked about, especially internationally, never got uh, talked about. So now uh, I guess she's, after after she started like getting flown around the world to uh, headline events and all these uh, media requests and books, you know, becoming number one uh, history comics bestseller, she's like, Okay, I guess it's an interesting story.
0: Yeah, and like not to undersell to the audience, this book actually has blown up in North America. It's it's kind of a big deal, and I was not expecting this origin story. This is not what I thought would uh, would be. How you know it kind of came to be, but it's interesting because it reminds us that like this um, this sort of notion of like Glassnost or uh, how how Korea how Koreans came to a space where like they could talk about the, the very bad, very dark era. Um, that is still a, a thing in process. And I mean, part of that is just that like massive social trauma, um, and, and, and dictatorships and all that stuff really, uh, clamps down so that people aren't comfortable sharing. Um, okay. And so that's an interesting, uh, uh, wrinkle to this, to this uh, story that I hadn't anticipated. So let's talk a little bit about the notion of historic bridges, okay? And this idea of everything old becoming new again seems to be a recurring theme in Band Book Club. And early on, there's this traditional mask dance group um, performing on campus, uh, and Hyunsuk uh, uh, joins the, the club, and it ends up becoming a kind of gateway to activism for her, uh, for the protagonist in the story. Um, in the 1980s, Uh, On campus, mask dances were kind of like protest adjacent, which I thought was really interesting. So, yeah, like why? What can you tell us about that?
1: Well, basically at that time, like, it, you know, politics kind of uh, like went into everything people did. And that's kind of what we were trying to show with the book, where each each chapter, the title of the chapter is like some club or group within the school. Because, um, you know, in in a time like that where politics are affecting everything people do, uh, one of the points you tried to make is no act is apolitical. Um, you know, everything you do is having some kind of impact on the world, even if it's uh, trying to ignore politics. That's a political act. Um, but things that we didn't, they didn't think about these very traditional dances that people think, oh, those are just classics. And uh, when Hyun-Suk's in class studying Shakespeare and uh, you know all of these other things she does, she soon realizes, oh, those are actually created for protest in their time it's just now it live. you know the protests were successful the world changed and now we just think of it as uh that's just a book you know that's just a dance but uh every you know all of these works of art and pieces of culture started as protest movements and so she was kind of learning that she's part of one of those too
0: yeah. And so this throwback to like this, this sort of old Korea, like thousand, thousand year old or more Korea was so interesting because I wasn't anticipating that in a story about 1980s fascism in Korea. Um, and so, yeah, it's a gateway to radicalization for her. And soon she gets invited to this basement book club. But what she doesn't realize is that it's a club that's kind of a mix between insurrectionary cell and uh, geek squad. <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, these nerds are hanging out in the basement, um, um, e- exploring like banned literature, and so many of the character dynamics are really fun. So this is the other thing in the book that was just so great uh, is just watching the interplay between these these really well um, well imagined characters. So yeah, tell us about some of the players. Who, who are some of the people in this book?
1: Yeah, that's that's one thing I loved about telling the story too is that you, I could tell a story about like this big uh, you know movement against. The political you know actions and everything but it's not a, it's not a story about that it's like it's a story about this group of nerds and they're just hanging out reading books and like get wrapped into things and some were more involved than others but uh yeah so basically uh when we first started kensook traveled around korea and kind of reunited with a lot of the members of her book club we did interviews i would write a list of questions i had she would write out the questions she had she would record an interview and then come back and translate it uh for me as we were writing and so we um we got like the selection of stories that happened over the four years that she was there and just kind of condensed them down to a, a narrative uh, where they happened to. Get, so we just kind of, you know, um, we created a, a, just a group of characters and then applied those stories to them. We didn't want to like, you know, just put this person in the book. Uh, and especially since a lot of people like, admit, even though they're these crimes aren't things that can get them in trouble now, like, mm. you know, you don't, you know, it's, it's kind of rude to like, put your college friends in a book admitting to their crimes totally so but i mean we had their uh permission to do it but um so we, we invented these uh these three characters and just kind of applied their stories to them but like hoon is uh kind of the uh the boy that uh kind of Suk and, and he had a little dynamic where she joined the the club because he invited her uh and he's um he he's the one that actually she had just uh met him and that's why she the real guy. And that's why she mentioned the story to me for the the first time. Um, But he's, he's the one that kind of brings her into it. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's some members that, uh, that are there because they want to help start a labor movement and uh, you know, um they there's one guy that works undercover at a factory and just like gets in there so he can start a whisper campaign about uh
0: trying to organize unions yeah
1: yeah trying to organize unions we got uh uni who is just she just loves punching cops that's her hobby uh or sorry suji is the one that loves punching cops and then Jihu, who is just like the pacifist who just loves reading poetry and he's not allowed to uh who uh, ends up being the one that gets into the most trouble um and then yuni is is the one who uh, uh, is just really active in student council and things so we, i wanted to get all these different perspectives so, and different types of people
0: yeah and yuni sort of the big sister kind of kind yeah. of like the leader so it's interesting that you guys um, sort of crafted archetypal characters to which maybe made some of it like read uh, in, a, in an easier way. But I mean, it really worked. Um, and obviously, yeah, it makes sense to not be using people's real names. Because even though Korea has gone through like many iterations of like truth and reconciliation commissions, that doesn't actually like totally wrap up um, sort of wounds and and, and um, bad feelings. And so yeah, totally makes sense. Okay, so like some of the titles that uh, you guys talk that is, is mentioned in the book, include uh, books like The Scarlet Letter, uh, che Guevara's Motorcycle Diaries, Chomsky's Counter-Revolutionary Violence, Bloodbaths and Fact and Propaganda, and then like Pedagogy of the Oppressed, The Feminine Mystique. Um, but the reveal of the actual purpose of the club is so funny. And like, this is a really funny book too. So in between the like fascism and like um, cop violence and everything, it, like it's, it's a great story. And, and it's, it's, so, it's so interesting and funny. Um, and I'm wondering if it's like the manga style which allows it to be both heightened emotionally in a way that it might not be with like traditional uh art and also which allows it to be really funny because of like the dynamic ways emotions are used and stuff. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the artist. Um Hyungju ko's art is exceptional. Um it's dynamic without being too noisy. It's simultaneously rough, which totally deals with all the heavy shit. Um but it's also super cute. Like like there's so many cute moments. It's so impressive. Um, how did you find Hyungju, uh, and how did they get involved in the project?
1: I went in a, a big search for an artist because when I first pitched it to the publisher, they were like, well, do you want to illustrate it? Cause I, I am a comic artist. Yes. But I, I already felt like kind of an intruder being the one writing the story. You know, I'm not Korean. Uh, you know, I, I did, you know, I, my wife was there. She's a author but you know, I wanted to make sure it was as authentic as possible. And you know, I didn't want to be the guy to, to sit down and draw it and, have it not feel uh accurate so uh i just went on a big search for a korean artist um i was checking out webtoons i was uh putting out open calls i was looking at like the graduation catalogs of universities and uh came across Hyungju's work uh in this kind of uh uh Ju was a student and they he and his friends had started this uh, group called SIS Comics where they just gave each other a theme every month and would just within a month crank out these little mini comics, each one of them on the same theme. And every single one of them, they were like just doing them for fun in between classes and they were so good. And especially uh, I know I love that Ju did these kind of slice of life uh, school stories and I realized that's kind of the feel that I want, even though this is a very dramatic story with like torture and, you know, political movements. Like I, I didn't want it to feel like a history book. I wanted it to like, most of the important things are just, here's these friends hanging out, uh, you know, like the story you mentioned in that, where she finds out she's in banned book club. That's like a very scary moment where someone realizes like, my life might be in danger because of this situation. I might be getting, going, going to prison, but the actual dynamic is, this boy I like, uh, you know, didn't tell me everything because he wanted to make sure I came to the club. And mm-hmm. like, you know, how do I feel about that?
0: Well, the vibe, that was totally the vibe. Yeah. Like it felt, I didn't actually realize that till right now. Yeah. It felt like I was reading um, like a, a, a an early university drama, uh, a comic book. Well,
1: one thing we wanted to say is that when your, your world becomes a dystopia, it's not like a sci-fi dystopia novel where, oh, this is just life now. Every thought is about surviving like these are just people trying to live their life. They're, they're still talk worrying about flirting with boys. They're still worrying about like, do I get elected in student council? They'll, they're still worried about like
0: mom and dad, how avoid, they think yeah. about my like, yeah. academic career.
1: Yeah. Am I going to be late for my shift at the, right. the steak restaurant? And politics is just this, pesky thing that gets in the way
0: yeah and also this sort of like shroud of of fear and um and dystopia but yeah i mean the dystopia is so normalized uh for for the reader uh when it's tied into real life um okay Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a ton of sense um well because i guess like with a lot of like almost any time we dip into Korean history, we're gonna be coming into like atrocity and stuff like that. So like this feeling, um, this vibe of secrecy and and military dictatorship that goes through the whole narrative. Um, okay, back to the scene in the cafeteria. There's these students watching videos of news broadcasts that have been smuggled in from outside the country. This is like a couple years after um, the military's uh, siege of the city of Gwangju. And this wasn't common knowledge for most South Koreans at that time, was it?
1: No, it wasn't. Um, the Basically uh, the, the president had come in. It was, just, it was just a group of protesters that were being like, Hey, we don't like this president like doing, well, we don't like this guy doing a coup and taking over our country and taking away our rights. So he kind of, he apparently it just came out recently. People didn't even know until like last year that he actually had a short list of places he was going to go do do this big assault because basically he wanted to create some kind of uh, uh, tragedy that only he could save people from. You know, oh, so yeah. he. Like a, and we we only found out after writing the book that Hyun Suk's college was one of the ones that was on the short list. Oh, but he actually he chose uh, Gwangju just because one of his political rivals was from there. Kim so yeah. yeah, so he just announced that like, hey, there's a bunch of uh, North Korean uh, communist infiltrators in this uh, place. We're gonna lock down the city and go take care of them, and then just literally lock down the city, closed the roads, went in with the military and just slaughtered everyone with like, you know, guns and helicopters and all this stuff.
0: Well, and, and for listeners who, I mean, I think a lot of listeners would know about the history of Guangzhou, but, uh, I interviewed, um, uh, uh, the right, the author of uh, Witnessing Gwangju, a, a former American Peace Corps guy who, who was there uh, at the time of, of the siege of Gwangju. And like, it's just, yeah, it's a heavy story. And I didn't know that, that Chen Tuan, uh had written up a little, nice little kill list for for what yeah. sort of campus or city he was going to attack to try to like, get people to rally around the uh, flag. Um, okay, so like when these students are sitting in the cafeteria watching some BBC broadcast that have been smuggled in on a VHS tape, um, this is a sort of political awakening for the band Book Club and for the other people who are hanging out on the campus. Yeah, and so it's it's super heavy. And I guess like one of the things that I really enjoyed in terms of how this kind of narrative, this sort of manga narrative or sequential art narrative, it really allows for this sort of clarity. Um, and there's a scene exploring the uh ascent of Park chung hee uh, who's the dictator, obviously, um, in the broader context of South Korean history. And um, on page 61, it reads, he was more dictator than president, but he boosted the economy so enough people gave him a pass. But he rebuilt Korea at the expense of human rights. And it goes on like this. But it's this essential overview of the political and social reality in the 60s and 70s in South Korea, but disseminated into like a minute of reading, right? So you're a longtime cartoonist. What is it about the medium of the, the sequential art of the comic book, of manga that facilitates this kind of um, directness of communication? What do you, what do you think?
1: Well, I think just when when you make a comic, you're you're breaking ideas down into panels and pages in a way that when you're you're writing a book, it's like just prose upon prose, and you go through ideas. But in a comic, you really have to think about you know each each little panel has to be a complete thought, has to be a, a, one emotion, has to be, because you're one drawing of the character, you can't fill it with text, so just I can fit like one sentence in there, and then you follow up with another, and you have to like condense that into a page, and kind of make that page feel like a complete thought, like a paragraph, so you really have to think about what words go where, and how much of it is uh, is needed, and kind of close in on what's important about it, and the other thing about telling that kind of history and this kind of story is that once again, the dynamic isn't Hyun-suk learning about the history. It's like, why did this boy trick me into, he invited me for a date night to see a movie and all of a sudden we're in a place where the police are surrounding us and she's not struggling to understand the history. She's struggling to understand why did this boy like trick me? And that's the answer is that because there's been a coup and nobody told you, I'm trying to tell you. So it's, it's being able to like put emotion into the, the story that like, okay, we need to get through this fast. The movie's starting.
0: (laughs) Well, and so again, it's like the book achieves this honestly. Perfect balance Mm -hmm. of profound seriousness and thoughtful political and ethical history lesson with all the vibrancy and fun that you'd expect from fucking anime. Like it's good. It's just like this fun Engaging comic. I loved when the character Yuni... Okay, so she explains that she'll date when, when, there, when there are finally free elections in Korea. And that was like pretty good. But the tension later in the story when uh, Hyunsuk is forced to confront the state police in a cafe, it's like her one-on-one with this young cop um, who's basically trying to shake her down. And it's super intense. But then Hyunsuk flips the power dynamic and Officer Oak does not get to perform the inter- interrogation that he expected. So without giving too much away, what can you tell us about that scene? And also, how fun was it to write?
1: This, like I said earlier, when I, I was like, I couldn't, kyung like didn't understand why we would want to write a book. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if this is a, a story worthy of a book. When I found out about this situation, that's when I'm like, are you joking? This is a book. <laughs> this is like, uh, because... Like, my favorite part of that is how she found out about the meeting, which is when uh, her the the cop was looking for her. She didn't know it. The cop was looking for her. He happened to uh, call her parents looking for her, and she just happened to be there at the time and be like, oh, I'll get the phone for you. Pick up. And it's the secret police looking for her for a thing her parents do not know anything about.
0: 19-year-old she girl. Had, yeah.
1: yeah. And so she had to continue this conversation over the phone without letting on to him that her parents are home without letting on to her parents that uh, that she's talking to the police. So she just kind of played off like she was talking to a boy from school and be like, Oh yeah, you want to go meet me at the coffee shop? And just the, the terror <laughs> must've been going through her head while having to be so casual. And then just cops like, all right, I guess i will meet at the coffee shop.
0: And then when they get to the coffee shop, he comes down hard, right? He's trying to be yeah. a real badass, And of course she's terrified, but, um, as the, as the reader, as the audience, uh, the way she sort of, well, I guess I don't want to give it away. People read the book. Uh, she turns it around and it becomes this really like funny, uh, powerful part of the story where the guy that seems like he's like, you know, like almost like you, you see the fascists being like, just absolutely powerful and then um and then this kid who who is powerless because she's a teenager essentially like a young kid and then a student and and you know not the person in the position of power she totally turns it around and it was just like a really powerful part of the story so
1: and yeah yeah that's that's that, that's what made it fun to write is just that like because basically what she did in that situation is just you know, she didn't tell him she knew anything. She just telling him about, Oh, you want to know about what's going on in school? Yes. I'll tell you about what's going on in school. And so like, you know, I just spent this whole book giving her problems and arguments and, and issues. And then, so I, she's just like, all right, you want me to unload about what's going on in school? I'll, I'll friggin' unload. I'll tell mm. you what's going on and like complain about everything that happened in the book. And this guy's just like,
0: uh, okay,
1: I don't want <laughs> yeah. to hear about all that. I don't well, need to I, hear about your love life lady.
0: Exactly. And, as the story starts to wrap up, there's this beautiful family moment um, with this really great emotional beat. Um, so I don't want to give up too much away, but, but as a storyteller, how important is it for you to anchor the story you're telling in this sort of like these genuine well-crafted relationships?
1: Yeah. I, you know, like, like I said, there's all these stories that people weren't understanding why I wanted in that steak, the story of her, her father starting the first steak restaurant in that half of the country True was like, yeah, that's a true story. And, like, we were visiting her father in the hospital, and, like, I, I learned that story. And I'm just like, tell me everything about the steak restaurant. And they're like, why? I'm like, because i all going in the book. They're like, there's a steak restaurant, dude. What, is, <laughs> what does this have to do with, what does this have to do with, like, revolution of the country i'm like this is a metaphor for everything and it ties the characters together and explains the motivations tell me everything about the steak restaurant mm-hmm. they're like all right weirdo and how like i read i read these reviews about the touching steak restaurant story i'm like see i told you your steak restaurant's
0: cool but it takes i mean but it takes an outside it takes an outsider's perspective to be able to look maybe and say like um sorry the uh normal is actually unusual like to, to the reader and, and stuff like that. And so, I mean, that's just like a, a powerful storytelling tool. Yeah, so I loved it. Um, and something else that was interesting for me, because actually I'm not super into manga. Like, I like it, I've read some, whatever, but I'm not like a huge manga head. Um, so the way some visual techniques are used is really interesting uh, to me, because I do love uh, comic books and sequential art. So in the aftermath of this climactic battle with police on campus late in the story, the big sister of the band, book club uni confronts the kid who's been reporting on underground campus organizing to the authorities. He was working at the student newspaper with one of the band book club members. And as she explains that to the kid, that if she finds out that he breathes even a single word about anything that happened, then quote, no one will be able to stop me and quote. And her face is illustrated as this void. And there's these terrible, like glowing eyes deep in it. And it's pretty jarring because like it's scary, right? And it's juxtaposed Obviously, with the rest of the book, which is super cute. Um, so, is this a common visual shorthand in manga, this like void face? And how much of that artistic decision is at the discretion of the artist, and how much of it is prompted by by the writer, uh, by, by yourself?
1: Yeah, in, in uh, manga, there's a lot of shorthands for, you know, c- character appearances will completely change. For like in a cutesy moment, they'll turn into a chibi, what they call a chibi character, and they'll suddenly be like two feet tall and like have emoji eyes and everything and then in a scary moment they'll look like that and that w- that was kind of a thing that we went back and forth on mean uh go him and do the artist where uh i you know we 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 wanted it to feel more consistent in a real world so like there are a lot of of panels like that where characters would turn into little chibi characters and i'd be like let's pull it back and right. keep this consistent you know so we, we'd go back and forth and get, get rid of a lot of those and but like that that yeah this this was one of the ones there's a few panels like that where the character like you know the fate her face turns into a void uh we added that one back a little bit because it originally she was like breathing you can see a little bit of it, it was like she's breathing smoke out of her mouth and <laughs> okay. we're like this is a little little too much comic shorthand let's kind of pull that back a little bit and, mm-hmm. uh make it, but i mean it, it does have this mo- it does create that feeling we tried to create the middle ground from that one where it has some of the elements that a uh, uh, you know like a a monster fighting manga would use but like keep it more grounded. or it's just like you know the the hair of her face is, is blocking the light and making it it dark and everything. so there's
0: almost like there's almost this like magical realize realism or something where it just like dips in just for a second and you're like whoa yeah. but then pulls it way back so yeah you guys really achieve like a good balance for sure um okay so back to the idea of historic bridges uh, and how they go in both directions um the book's coda Ties the events of the anti-fascist, anti Wan student organizing of 1983 with the mass movement to take down President Park geun Hae in 2016. Um, by the way, in 1987, free elections elect uh, free elections did happen finally. And uh, as one of the characters uh, reminds us, the fascists actually won that. I'm not going into the whole history right now, but but the coda is a hopeful note of optimism to end the story on. Um, as you know, Park geun Hae ended up in jail and uh, it was like a it was a watershed moment uh for korea and this was actually like after i left korea cuz i was on jeju uh, 2014 2015 and all around the country from 2006 to 2011 so it was sort of like late uh l- late sort of um uh kim ro era the sort of like g- good 10 years and then i was there for like the whole im young bak um time which was bad and like a lot of the park gunhae time and so um you know, it really was a big deal. It was a big moment. And it's a hopeful note because in these tumultuous times where we see this rise of illiberalism, like all over the world, from, from Modi in India to uh, Erdogan in Turkey, to the Philippines, to Hungary and Poland, and of course, not least uh, the uh, current regime in uh, Washington DC. So what do we think banned book club? What do you think South Korea's social evolution and, and the book what do they have to tell us about this present political moment in the United States and, and around the world?
1: Yeah, we had no idea that like we started writing this book like over three years ago, I think. And at the and we sort of started writing. It, it was like, Oh, here's this little thing that happened in history that like could happen anywhere. And then we didn't expect that in those three years, everything in the book would happen in, in America and in other places around the world. And this would be like, here's a metaphor for everything that's happening right now, except it also happened there. And here's how they got out of it. Um, yeah. Basically what, what fascinated me about the story is that the, the protests about Bakkané and the protests uh, that happened in the eighties, they're very similar. Like the things that they're fighting for, the things that they're fighting against, the ways that they're fighting are very similar, except in the eighties, these kids doing it were alone. They were considered these annoying little brats that can't shut up they're out in the streets. They're in inter- we're trying to have a class and they're being noisy. Uh, the police are like, we got to shut these guys down. Uh, it's just, you know, and the parents are like, don't you ever be involved in anything like that? And they're alone and like kind of gaslit into thinking they're the problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas after they succeeded and everybody's like, oh, I guess that worked. That now when kind of that regime tries to take power again, the whole country was like, yeah, no, we we learned from these guys, and they all came together. Like, I just, I, those pictures of the candlelight protests that happened, it, it wasn't just, like, in America where it's, like, this is the day that we all protest. It wasn't one day. This was, like, a year of Korea's history that was just every single day, street, entire neighborhoods were shut down of people just, in pe- they, and they didn't need to, uh, you know, burn things. They didn't need to scream. They didn't need to throw Molotov cocktails because everybody was on the same page. They would have picnics. They would invite their family out. Even the police, the like the people in charge of the police were like, yeah, we're in, we're, we're joining you. This is nonsense. So the police were there on the people's side and it just kind of, people found a way to be like, this is bad. We disagree about all these other things, but like, why don't we work together on this because this is important mm. and learning and remembering that history is what allowed these people to do that so that's why this story is important to Suk to tell Once when, when she kind of figured out why people were interested in it she's like I want it I want them to figure out what we figured out hopefully they can learn from things, something from this book and be learn from history and be like hey maybe we should work together and solve these problems
0: and it really does end on like a good vibe and a good positive note so yeah um a, a terrific book highly recommending people banned book club and now though i want i want to talk about uh some some of some of your other work um because your latest project is really interesting because like Band book club okay essentially like a manga about 80s era fascism uh in south korea excellent dynamic fun whatever but you also um are releasing a book called Student Ambassador, The Missing Dragon. And so I had just finished BAM Book Club. I was like, okay, time to crack open Student Ambassador. And here's a description from from the back of Student Ambassador, The Missing Dragon. When a whip smart student ambassador sent on a high stakes diplomatic mission to a faraway land, he and a newly crowned boy king are thrust into a globe-trotting action adventure mystery set in the real world where dangers mount and smarts save the day. It's essentially a geopolitical thriller for twelve year olds. Is that right?
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, what happened to an ambassador is this is something I've been working on for a very, very long time because I was a student ambassador yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was in high school. Uh-huh. And um, it like this is what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a geopolitical thriller. And then I got there and I'm like, this is a package tour, man. I mean, it's all <laughs> right. But come on. I was ready to like change the world. And so ever since I was in high school, I've been like thinking about the story of what I wish it had been like and I kind of really started writing it when I first moved to Korea so that's why the first story takes place there and um basically what I wanted to do is uh it takes place in the world but I wanted to create like a fantasy story where uh the fantasy is that a little Mexican-American kid can like impact the the world and politicians will listen to him and so uh I I figured like if, if kids can read Harry Potter and then like know all of the spells and know the history of of magic and all this stuff and just learn this this world what if I just have all of the solutions to these mysteries and uh, places they have to go and things that they learn be things about the real world but not like here's the things we want to teach how can we do it but like tell a story where uh you know d- I kind of thought of it as like uh, um, at one point one of the characters calls them uh, Robbie Langdon and the Da Vinci kids. <laughs> I thought about it as like Da Vinci code, but like, yeah, like that, but for kids where like, um, conspiracy, you and... know, Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like uh, what are the actual things that exist in the world that I can use as, you know uh, you know, like one of, one of the mysteries is in order to figure out where the, the bad guys are going to be, they have to learn to read Korean. So like in a few pages, the characters will, will learn that. And then they'll go to actual temples and use like the, I'd go on tours and figure out interesting quirks about the architecture that could be like a clue that they'd, that they'd solve. And so it's fun. I, I hope to do a whole series of these and then kids just not even think about learning about the world. They just worry about this, these nerdy kids. And then, Oh, I accidentally learned how to read Korean.
0: Yeah. And it is really fun. Like it's a super fun book. And so, okay, to be honest, this podcast has a middle school audience of about zero. But for uh, for any parents that are listening, why is this graphic novel a great book for kids?
1: Yeah, I, I just hope that, you know, first and foremost, uh, before it was ever an educational book, I just wanted to write a story about these two little ner- nerdy kids <laughs> yeah. that like Joseph is like the, the goody two-shoes boy that like loves learning. And then he's kind of saddled with this boy king that's just the greediest most awful boy you could ever meet but he's so adorable because he has no idea that he's just his whole life he's been raised that he can do whatever he wants and he's a king and so like he's kind of has to teach this boy to be a kid and they they kind of bounce off each other and solve mysteries but then you know again like i said kids can read the story and laugh at these characters and then uh You know, maybe they'll be driving on the street and uh, see a Korean Korean restaurant and be like, "Oh, bibimbap, all right." And like, "Oh, wait, I know how to read that," Um, because I've actually had that experience before, where uh, the system that I used to teach in the book. I was visiting a friend in America, and uh, my friend I was it was my friend and his son. They're driving around. My friend's like, "I'm going to be in the bank for five minutes. You guys wait here." And just while we were in the car for like five minutes, I would like, you want to learn how to read Korean? And I showed him on a napkin. He was like, all right, dad got in the car. We never mentioned it. And like a year and a half later, this dad emails me and is like, did you teach my son how to read Korean? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, do you remember that? He's like, for the last year and a half, we've been driving around LA. He's just been talking in the back of the seat. I thought he was just making up words. And I found out he's been reading all the signs in Koreatown. So my hope is that with this book that'll happen all over the world where kids won't even realize that they're learning Korean and then all of a sudden they'll look at a Korean menu and like be able to read it. That's awesome.
0: Okay, so so you're... you're the best-selling co-author of Band Book Club, uh, an illustrator with dozens of comics to your name, including a series featuring your own lived experience in countries and cultures around the world. You're a story slam winner for the Moth Storytelling series. And for the last seven years, a reporter and segment producer at Busan's BFM 90.5, where this month finds ghosts, rapping charles dickens prose
1: basically you know, i've been doing a lot of segments for bfm for years that are just about like travel and history but uh this year they asked me to run their uh bfm audio drama series and uh i i just want to do something really weird because like a previous time bfm drama they've done like uh you know let's just do another adaptation of um sherlock holmes and, but i'm like so many people have already done that what do i have to add to the conversation i want to do something weird so i chose um i wanted to adapt uh charles dickens's worst books he had a series of 22 sequels to a christmas carol that he wrote uh that nobody remembers even he like started heavily editing them and when he re-released them because they were not good they were very phoned in he uh, outsourced a lot of the work and i'm like that i want to rewrite these and make them new because no one has ever done that before they're like even at the time they're like yeah this is whatever. (laughs) So I, uh, I've just kind of taken the cast of uh, Busan actors and had them act out like modern day versions of these stories, like using them as writing prompts to create some new, very weird stories. That's
0: awesome. So people can hear you on Busan's BFM 90.5. Anything else to plug or anything else you want listeners to uh, know about the work you're doing or anything else you'd like to weigh in on?
1: Well, anything, if you want to see any of my work, just go to ryanestrada.com you can find links to Band Book Club and Student Ambassador, uh, you know, find out where to buy those. But there's also hundreds and hundreds of comics from my career you can read completely free. Uh, you can listen to all my podcasts and, uh, and see all the anthologies I'm and all that stuff. So just go to ryanestrada.com. You'll find anything you need.
0: He's a prolific writer, artist, radio host, and adventurer. Ryan Estrada, thanks a lot for talking with The Creophile. Happy to be here. You've been listening to episode 95 of The Korea File. Hear my other work on unpacking the news, a series of interviews exploring Canadian politics and society from a left socialist perspective. Find recent episodes on prison justice, defunding the police, and the fight for free transit wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Andre Margulé. You'll find Ryan on there too, at Ryan Estrada. Order a physical or PDF copy of BAM Book Club at ironcircus.com music on this episode is courtesy of creative Commons. throw a little financial support to the show at patreon.com slash the korea file helps keep the show on the air it's really appreciated become a monthly patron at patreon.com slash the korea file i'll be back in late september with the next in a series of collaborative episodes with the seoul-based korea branch of history and culture organization the royal asiatic society until then i'm andre Goulet. thanks for listening